is fantastic. What an incredible opportunity, you know, just for families to put the screens away for a bit and just to engage. As Pastor Lori said a moment ago, today we are going to start a six-week journey that is going to lead us right until Palm Sunday, looking at how to love more like Jesus. And so the truth is that there are no experts in this, that every one of us are followers, every one of us are learners, every one of us can learn to love more like Jesus. John 13, verses 34 to 35, here is what he said. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, by the way that we love one another, the way Jesus loves us, in this way. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. All relational and societal breakdowns occur when we fail to love both who and how Jesus loves. All relational and all societal breakdowns occur when we fail to love both who and how Jesus loves. And so to see healing in our very polarized world, God is inviting me and he's inviting you. So in the chat, I want you to just write the word me. Just type in me. Just, just go for it right now. Just me. God is inviting not only myself, but he's inviting you. He's inviting us to grow in loving, in learning how to love more like Jesus. And so to do that, we want to look at one Old Testament story and one New Testament story. The Old Testament story is with a prophet by the name of Jonah. It says, now the word of the Lord, this is Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of an Amity saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It says he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he went in the complete different direction. And he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And so Jonah is a really famous story about an Old Testament prophet who the word of the Lord comes to him and it's very clear what God is asking him to do. Arise, go to Nineveh and to call out against that city. God asks Jonah to go to the city of his enemy and just call out against it, to, to speak out. And instead of being obedient, Jonah is disobedient. Because for Jonah, it wasn't a specific Ninevite that he had an issue with. It was all of them. Jonah was in a place where he was polarized. The, the, the children of Israel, which, which Jonah was included within, and Ninevites were enemies. So they were very polarized. Everything was very different. They couldn't see any good. They couldn't see anything. But again, again, God sees things from a different perspective. And so here we see the word of the Lord comes to Jonah to arise and to go to this city and to call out against it. But Jonah in disobedience runs in the complete other direction. Of course, Ninevites were oppressors of Jewish people with a long history of violence and hatred. And Jonah was a prophet. And again, in the Old Testament, what is important to note here is that he was called by God to deliver the word that God gave him, not the word that he wanted to bring. He was called by God to deliver the word that God gave him. And here is Jonah's temptation, and here is our temptation. In wanting to love others, we can shift 
from delivering the word God gives to deciding if the word given is right to deliver. Did you catch that? It happens to all of us. From delivering the word that God gives to us then deciding if the word given is right to deliver. Again, God says to Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. And essentially, Jonah then begins to deliberate what God has given to him. He begins to rumble through in his own heart to decide, is this a word that they are worthy to even receive? Should they even get this word? Should they get the privilege? Should they even get the opportunity to repent? And essentially, Jonah in his heart says, no, absolutely not, because he believes the Ninevites don't deserve love. God, God's love, or his love? You know, the last few years at Life Center, we do something at Easter. We hand out prison packs. And so in our Orleans campus, uh, just across the parking lot, and just kind of like our neighbor is the Innis Detention Center, or the detention center here on Innis Road. And so for the last, last Easter, we couldn't do it with pandemic, but before that, and then this year, we're also going to be able to do it even in pandemic, but we hand out these prison packs, and these packs are just filled with um, just messages of God's love, but as a church, we just write messages, you know, just messages of encouragement, messages just that would you know, just touch those who are next door um, for a variety of reasons, both guilty and innocent, that would touch their hearts and maybe open their hearts to the gospel. And I'll never forget, not this year, but the year previous, I was at the door following the Sunday where we wrote as a church just handwritten note cards that were going to go in these prison packs and delivered to the detention center. And a gentleman um, came and he was very emotional and he was very, very upset, quite angry. And he looked at me in the eyes and something had happened to somebody in his family. And the person who had committed uh, the injustice in his family was next door. And he looked at me and I could see the pain. It was just all over his face. And he just said, I am so against this. They don't deserve anything. And in my heart, I didn't feel any judgment I didn't feel any of those things because I know what it is to be in the place of bitterness. I know what it is to be in that place where you're just wanting to run in the other direction. Because again, it's sometimes like Jonah here, he thinks, man, I'm going to flee in a different direction. And then my life is going to flourish in going in this way. But the word of the Lord comes to him. No, this is the way forward. The way to love like Jesus loved. In Jonah's case, the way to love the way God does is to actually lean into the headwind of pain. God loves Jonah. Just as, he lo as much as he loves those 120,000 people living in Nineveh. You know, God's love for Jonah in the book of Jonah, if you were to read it, it says that the word of the Lord comes to him not just once, but it comes to him again and again. Aren't you glad today that God's word comes to you and I like a sacred echo? That it's not as though God just speaks one time and then he leaves it. If there's something in our lives where he wants us to be free, that he wants us to lean into, he loves us so much that he's not going to let us go. Let us go even if we run in a different direction, we run in the opposite direction. That word is going to come like a sacred echo. There's nowhere that you can outrun that. Not because God's trying to get on your case, but because he loves you so much. In the book of Jonah, God sends a storm and then he sends a great fish to rescue him. God grows a plant and then he appoints a worm to eat the plant. 
God is doing for Nineveh the opposite for what Jonah believes or believes that they deserve. And then we get to chapter 4 and we see God's heart of love, that why he was sending Jonah to Nineveh. And this is where God exposes his heart to Jonah. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, here's the word of the Lord. Jonah and now is run. He's gone into the belly of the whale. He's been vomited up after three days. And he now is frustrated because he is seeing repentance come. And here's the word of the Lord that comes to Jonah. God says, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left? Not because they're evil, not because they're wrong, but they just don't know what they don't know they don't know. And so God is sending this prophet Jonah to Nineveh to expose so that they can know that there's a better way, that there's a different way. There is somewhere better than violence and oppression, that there's a different way. It's interesting because in the book of Jonah, there is this powerful truth that we are seeing come alive in 2021. A city who doesn't know God discovers God. And because of God's kindness, they repent. Let me say that again. A city, Nineveh, that doesn't know God, that has every other God, doesn't know the God of heaven, the one true God, learns of God, repents, opens their heart to God. So a city that doesn't know God opens their heart to God. And a prophet who should know God runs from God and becomes bitter towards God because God loves. Church, hear me today with both ears and your whole heart because I believe this is something that we're seeing happen again and again, that God is revealing this lack of love in my heart, but in the church, in all of our hearts. Knowing God doesn't mean that we get loving like God correctly all the time. In the book of Jonah, once again, again, you've got a, a pagan city that gets it quicker than a prophet that supposedly knows God. He doesn't get it. He doesn't agree. So just knowing God doesn't mean that we automatically get how to love like God. Just because you're in church, just because you're a follower of Jesus, doesn't mean that we know how to love another. Doesn't mean that we know how to love people the way that God wants us to. As I said off the top, there are no experts in this. So as I'm preaching right now, if you're thinking about, man, I want so-and-so to hear that, or man, I think so-and-so should hear that, stop right now and stop thinking about them and ask God to reveal you to you. Ask him to reveal your heart because every one of us are being challenged in this season to love another differently the way God does. Knowing God is good, church, but obeying God is so much better. Jonah knew God, but he was disobedient. I don't care how many books or blogs or articles or tweets or Facebook messages that you see that resonates it's not that we see and it's not that we read. It's that somehow it moves to our feet and they are aligned with what God wants and that we walk in obedience to what God is calling us to in this season. Three questions as we continue. When have you been tempted to run from God? Perhaps like Jonah. When have you been tempted to run from God? In what ways does God get your attention when you run from him? Maybe it's not a fish. Probably isn't. But in what ways? And where are you tempted? This is a huge one. Where are you tempted to change God's word to fit your narrative rather than allowing God's word 
to form your heart. See, for Jonah, he wanted to change the word to fit his narrative because the Ninevites didn't deserve it. But God in his love allowed the word of the Lord, the same one, to come to his life again and again to form and shape him rather than the other way around. Let's fast forward a few hundred years. Israel is making the same error as Jonah. They have moved from delivering the word given to deciding if the word is right to deliver. Going back to Leviticus, this is the word that was given to the children of Israel. Yes, I did say going back to Leviticus. We're going to read Leviticus, okay? Here's what it says. Leviticus 19, verse 18. You shall not take vengeance. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. But you shall, here it is, you shall, here's the word given, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Very similar to what Jesus said in the Shema. Very heart prayer. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But somehow from Leviticus 19 until the time of Jesus, in all those hundreds of years, somehow this word delivered that you're going to love your neighbor as yourself changed. It changed over time. Somehow over time, this delivered word became more culturally appropriate, became more tamed. It, rather than the word delivered, people began to decide, is this actually the right word to deliver? Is this actually what God really meant by here? God's pretty clear. Love your neighbor as yourself. But it begins to change. We begin to change the heart of it once again, like Jonah did to fit his narrative. Fitting the story that they believed was appropriate. Leviticus 19, verse 18, which is love your neighbor as yourself, over these hundreds of years, do you know what it became? It became love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what it became. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, this might make perfect sense. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But that's not the word that was given. And so by the time Jesus in flesh, the word of God, the word made flesh, is walking in Israel, God present, incarnate in the world, by the time Jesus is present, everyone knows the word of the Lord is not Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's not the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Everybody knows that's what it is. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what it says. It's not what it says, but that's what everyone believes. And so once again, Jesus is the word who became flesh. So as the word... Jesus is going to deconstruct what they believe based on God's word and not the other way around. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 45, it says this. You have heard it said, Jesus is saying. So this is a popular expression amongst the day. You read this on Twitter. You see this on Facebook. You see this everywhere. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies. He's affirming Leviticus. And we just read, that's what I said. I didn't say love your, your neighbor and hate your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is saying that the only way forward is the way of love. He is saying to them in this moment that hate, whatever hate accomplishes, love can do a much, much, much better job. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven because God is love. Not this wishy-washy, feely, ushy-gushy, no, no, no. Love that corrects, love that forms, but a love that risks, a love that absolutely engages like we see in the Old Testament now we see here. And then he goes on to say, Jesus does, 
your Father in heaven, he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And oh, we don't like that. We want the sun to rise on the good, not the evil. We want it just to rain on the just and not the unjust. But it's the same God in the Old Testament that we see here. Jesus is referring to the same God. Jesus is the same God that we see here. One God, three persons. Here we see Jesus saying to them, God is going to love people that you don't love. God is going to shower kindness on those that you don't believe are deserving of kindness. God's love is going to rub across you. So the heart, the word is not love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No, no, Jesus says, no, it's love your neighbor who includes your enemy. And so you're called to love them too. And you're called to pray for those who persecute you. So in the story of Jonah, we see disobedience to the love of God in a very particular way that we run from God. And some of us are doing that. Some of you right now are doing that today. You're running from God. Oh, we can make, it, we can make this look a whole lot different ways, but we're not being obedient. We're being disobedient. But now Jesus tells a story where we see disobedience to love who God loves in a very different way. A recurring parable that we speak often at Life Center is Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. We re repeat this parable every single year at least one or two times. Because again, according to Jesus, disobedience can look like Jonah. It can look like running in a different direction. But it can also look like this. And this is a word for all of our lives today. Matthew chapter 25, it says this in verse 18, that he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Jesus tells the story of the parable of the talents of one, three, and five. We each receive these extraordinary gifts from God. Notice in this story, it's very dissimilar to the story of Jonah. Jonah receives the word and runs in a different direction. Here in the story of the parable of the talents, one receives the talent, doesn't run in a different direction, just does nothing with it. Just simply hides it, just simply buries it in the ground. And it goes on to read in verses 24 to 29. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. This too, I want you to hear through the lens and the language of love. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one, give it to him who has 10 talents. Because the one who had five talents multiplied five talents. The one who had 10 talents multiplied 10 talents. So here we see that sometimes God's love isn't fair. He takes from the one who receives one and he gives it to the one who is already has 10. And what's the, what's the difference between all three? All three received equal measure talents, extraordinary blessings from their master. Two out of the three engage it with their whole heart and multiply it, but one hides it in the ground and does nothing. And so in love, Jesus takes from the one and he gives it to the faithful. He takes from the one who is unfaithful. He takes from the one who's going to do nothing with it and he gives it to the one 
who is faithful. For everyone who has will be given more and will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God loves people so much that he'll want to use my life and he'll want to use your life to make a Jesus size difference, to share his word, to be a minister of reconciliation. God loves people so much that if you and I will do nothing, he will raise up and use somebody else. He will use somebody else because he loves them so much. In the story, Jesus says disobedience doesn't have to look like Jonah. It doesn't have to look like us actively running in a different direction. It can look like us just doing nothing with what we've received from the Lord. This is not the way of love. The way of love is not to do nothing with the salvation that we've received, with the grace that we've received, with the good news that we've received, with the gospel that we've received. It's not doing nothing. There's four ways disobedience in the parable of the talents can look like. And number one, we're highlighting it here, is doing nothing with what we have received from God. It's just as he hid his master's money. My question for you today is, who among us, who of us, are we sitting on, are you, are you sitting on a spiritual gift doing nothing with it? Are you sitting on perhaps a word of forgiveness that you need to give? Perhaps you are one who has wounded and harmed another and you are actually sitting on a word of asking for forgiveness, owning and repenting, taking ownership of what you've done. Are you sitting on a word of restitution, a step of restitution? Are you sitting on provision in your life? Are you sitting on a word of encouragement that you could share with somebody else. I know this is a hard time. I know this is a very difficult season. I get it. I feel it. But church, may we not hide in the ground that which God has entrusted to us. Ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that I'm just sitting on today, not engaging in the story that we read, the parable of the talents, that you may not, that may not relate to you, but some of us can also follow Jesus from an unhealthy fear and not from a heaven-provided faith. It says here that he was afraid. The one who received the one talent was afraid. Church, you have nothing. We have nothing to fear from our heavenly father. I mean an unhealthy fear. There's a holy reverence and awe. Yes, yes. But he is also our approachable father who says, come to me all you're weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Yeah, you can feel nervous about sharing your faith. You can feel nervous about giving a word of encouragement. You can feel nervous maybe if you've never given grace or, or with generosity from your heart. You can feel nervous for sure. But don't let fear hold you in its place. The last thing is rooting in an unbiblical view of God as Father. You see it in the parable of the talents. He says, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have sat scattered no seed. The, Jesus tells a story that if we have an unbiblical view of God as Father, that this can be dangerous. And so there's some of you, you love the God of grace, but you can't stand the God of truth. You love the God of the New Testament. You don't love the God of the Old Testament. May, may you see God for who he is, not just who you want him to be. 
and there's others of you that you love actually the God of the Old Testament because you love the clarity of it, but you don't seemingly love the God of the New Testament, the mushy part, the grace part, the father affection part. You know, we don't get to define who God is. God alone defines who he is. And it's in his totality that, he, that we grow to learn to love not only the Lord our God, but to love others the way that God loves. You know, one of the things in closing that I would say is that, well, I shouldn't really say in closing because we've got a couple minutes to go here. But in the story of Jonah, there's a storm, there's a fish, there's lots of action. You know what's terrifying to me in the parable of the talents? There's no storm and there's no fish. There's just literally a talent entrusted and then silence until the master returns. No storm, no fish. Just calm and quiet until the master returns. Just because God is quiet in your life doesn't mean he has gone away, nor does it mean his word has changed. In the story of Jonah, God loves Nineveh, and he uses the life of Jonah to deliver his message. In the story of the parable of the talent, God loves others so much that he will take assignments from those of us who are being unfaithful by doing nothing and give them to those who are being faithful, not because God is mean, but because God is love. Stories like Jonah and the parable of the talents should give us holy pause to ask both questions like this. Like Jonah, when have you been tempted to run from God? When in your life have you been tempted to run from God? Is it in tragedy? God didn't answer prayer the way you wanted to. Something happened that you just can't get over and wonder, God, where were you during this season? Over these next six weeks, starting today, I'm asking the Lord to do a miracle in your heart to show you that whatever happened is not only an offense against you, but it's also an offense against God. That in God redeeming the Ninevites doesn't condone what the Ninevites did, but the way of love is to see them transformed can also mean peace in a region. But we should also ask, like the parable of the talents, when have you been tempted to do nothing with what God has entrusted to you? You know, one of the things that I love about the parable of the talents is this. Nestled within it, it's a very powerful principle. Measure your measure. Measure your measure. You're not responsible to do anything with something that God has not entrusted to you. God hasn't asked you. He didn't ask Jonah to save the Ninevites. He just asked him to deliver the word. You're not responsible to save the world. That's God's job. Jesus is Savior. We're not. We're responsible not to save the world, but to share the good news. Measure your measure. You know, for me, I'm very cognizant as a pastor that there's a measure. We're going to get into this more in another series, but 
there is a measure to my spiritual authority that I'm not called to correct the world. I'm called to shepherd a church. And all of us have social media at our fingertips. And so there are some of us who are getting in trouble today because we're speaking way beyond the measure that God has entrusted us to. We are trying to correct things that God hasn't anointed us to step into. So here we see in the story, God gives out parables of one, you know, five and ten, different measures. One, three, five, one, five. I'm messing up that a little bit. But he gives out different. He doesn't ask the one who received ten. He asks the one who received one to multiply that. The one who received five, multiply that. The one who received ten, multiply that. Measure your measure. Final. Now we close. Jerry Sitzer says this. God uses common people to make history. The power of society often form a background in which the little people, the faithful people, honor God and transform the world. God loves to use the unassuming and the unimportant people in the world. He only requires us to say with Mary, let it be to me according to your word. Not my word and not my way. Your word and your will be done. And so together, as a church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in love, would you correct and speak to all of our hearts today? May we as a church pray, not my word, your word. Not my way, your way. Not my life, your life. Not my love, your great love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you for joining us on church today. We are gonna be praying tomorrow that we can hear maybe some good news about you know, church opening, uh, the stay-at-home lockdown you know, measures lifted so that we can once again gather, even if it's at 20 or 30%. We're praying into that because uh, this is just, this is how we have to do church. But man, we, we miss you so very much. Um, may Jesus bless you. May he keep you. Ask him to speak to your heart. And again, we are all novices at learning how to love the way God loves. And so today, if you're running like Jonah, let him speak a word to your heart. If he's asking you to do something that seeds hard, don't change his word. Allow God to change your way. And if you're sitting on something, whether it's your salvation, gospel, good news, a word of encouragement, a spiritual gift, you're just, you're saved, you're not doing anything with it. Ask God to ignite a fresh dream in your heart. Because in this time, and in particular in the season ahead, we don't need any bench warmers. We need the full body of Christ activated in the game, this game called life, moving and loving one another the way that God loves us. Let's have an awesome Sunday. God bless. Thank you.